This week, we travel one of the most beautiful drives in the country, the Million Dollar Highway from Durango to Uray, Colorado. Plus, we talk about powering residential fridges on the road and watching your transmission temperature on your way up a mountain pass. This is RV Miles. The RV Miles podcast is supported by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and L.L. Bean and NPF share a belief that every community should have the opportunity and resources to experience the joy of the outdoors together. Through this partnership, they're not only helping people find their parks, they're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks across the U.S. If it's outside, L.L. Bean is all in. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. episode 154 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, and baby Yoda, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. This is our third anniversary of the podcast. Do we have an applause sound? Can <laughs> we, we just... We don't. I got rid of those. Oh, see, that was one of my... I'll put favorite. one in in post. Okay, thank you. We need just... Even if it's just like two or three people going... <laughs> Just, I think that's actually more important, like more appropriate than a large group of people clapping. Now, 154 episodes is not quite uh, three years yeah, full no. of one week episodes, but we did. We missed one and, and then we've changed our release date. So we missed another. But <laughs> you know, we're not good at math. So this is only appropriate that the math should not equal three years of episodes. Uh, but we are also we were talking about this. We're releasing this a day late because over the course of the three years, if you've been listening, you know that the podcast keeps coming out. At different times, weekends, then early week, and now here we are midweek, we decided to go back to what was our original release date, which was Thursdays. So we'll see how that goes for a week or two. It's not going to last. We've already <laughs> talked about it. We need to push this back to earlier in the week. Uh, but we are thrilled to have been able to do this for so long now and to have had so many of you along with us. And I want to give a special thank you to L.L. Bean. You just heard the ad from them. They have been supporters of us from not from the beginning, from but from a very early time. And Absolutely. Uh, we've been just thrilled to be partners with them for, for such a long time. And we hope you'll support them as a way of thanking them for helping us put this show on. And they took a chance on us. You know, we were just kind of new and in this and, and they saw something and we saw something and we all took a chance on each other. And there are some of you out there who have been listening since day one, which boggles my mind and we have to say thank you to you as well we have to say thank you to all of you whether this is your first episode or your 154th episode we couldn't do this without you and we're so honored that you let us come into your home every week and you laugh at us thank you for laughing at us thank you for laughing with us thank you for sharing some of the crazy adventures we've been on and also sharing your crazy adventures we love how much the RV Miles Facebook group 
has grown and how nice everyone is there. And we really do think that's an extension of the people who listen to this podcast. This is a, a perfect segue into what I wanted to kick the show off with here because Matthew Ross, friend of the show, has been listening from episode one and is listening forward, and he is not to this point yet. So, <laughs> hi, Matthew, in a few weeks. Uh, so, I think he just listened to episode 100. He did. He asked a question in the uh, Facebook group that I wanted to answer. I answered him there so he could see it there, but I'm <laughs> going to answer it here because this is a question that comes up a lot, and this is something that we've actually been helping our friends who are traveling with us through. If you've been listening for a while, you know that ever since... Uh, coronavirus shutdowns began, we've been sort of quarantining with another family and we've been the few places we've traveled, we've gone there with them. We had more experience boondocking than them, even though we hadn't done it in a long time. Yeah, I think that the word experience is really being loosely used here. We had a lot of experience, but we were very rusty. Let's yes. put it that way. Uh, but they, uh, they had no experience boondocking and they have a residential refrigerator. And this is a question that comes up a lot. How do you power a residential refrigerator when you're dry camping or boondocking? And that was Matthew's question. He said the refrigerator is one thing that runs 24 seven. How does a residential fridge get power when you're dry camping on the road? A residential fridge is essentially uh, any fridge that you would have in a house put into an RV. And they're getting more and more popular these days because propane fridges, although they are nice, they, the propane heating element aspect makes them very, very small or smaller than the space that they would normally take up. Also, temperature control in hours is crazy. Yeah. As of last night, things started freezing in the refrigerator. I don't understand why, but I've <laughs> got it down as far as it will go. And now I the pasta froze. But, I don't know. But with improvements know. in battery power and solar and all that, Residential fridges are getting more and more popular because people can have that residential refrigerator experience. We love having a propane fridge because we can really boondock with it. I mean, it runs off propane. It cools just as well. It cools maybe even better on propane than it does on electric. I'm not sure, but it, it definitely uh, does the job. Well, it definitely gets cold. <laughs> yes, maybe too cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but if you have a residential refrigerator... That can be a problem when you are dry camping or even doing a day of travel. So what do you do? Well, most people that have a residential refrigerator have an inverter and an inverter is what takes DC power from your batteries and converts it to AC power, which your refrigerator is running off of if it's residential and your outlets and other things like that that you can't normally use when you're running off of just DC power alone. So you turn your inverter on and your fridge is gonna run off the batteries. Depending on your fridge, it could wear down your batteries very quickly. And that is the biggest problem with re residential refrigerators is that there's a wide range in the power that they take. We actually had a residential fridge in our school bus conversion, and it only took 1.1 amps. But, but they some of them take up to five times that, you know, so they can really wear your batteries down within a matter of a few hours, especially if you haven't upgraded your batteries from the original, you know, setup that your trailer came with or your your uh, motorhome came with. Yeah, and we had a really basic battery setup in the bus, so mm -hmm. that was always our one sort of hiccup with boondocking was the refrigerator and making sure that everything in it stayed cold as long as we needed to stay out there and we needed it to stay cold. That's been 
again, we've already said this, but that's been the nice thing about this propane is that we haven't had to worry about that. We've had other things we've had to think about, but that was not an issue. Now, refrigerators are essentially giant coolers. So as long yeah. as you don't open them, they're not going to let the cold air out for a very long time. So if you're worried about things like travel days, uh, don't because you'll be fine going on a travel day without getting into your fridge much and keeping your stuff cold. But if you really want to uh, have your fridge last for a while and not kill your batteries, you're going to have to explore some options for keeping your batteries charged. So you can run a generator. That's probably the most common thing people do. You can get solar panels on your roof, which are essentially a way of charging batteries, and they just top off your batteries, and anything that runs off of batteries then runs off of that. Your truck or your motorhome is charging your batteries generally as you're going down the road. But the big tip that I wanted to give here is about that inverter. Inverters take a lot of power themselves. So when you have your inverter on and you've got like a massive good 2000 watt inverter, it is actually wearing down your batteries on its own just by running. And then the conversion from DC power to AC power, you lose about 15% of that there. So the big tip that I have for you, if you have a residential refrigerator, is to actually get a second inverter that's just for the refrigerator, a very small one that's, that's sized just the right size for your refrigerator. So it doesn't draw as much power as the big one does and you don't have to turn the big one on. But it is a challenge. That is the big trade-off that you make when you buy a, a rig with a residential refrigerator. It's expected that you are going to be somebody that camps more in campgrounds. And uh, if you wanna trick it out that you can run that fridge longer, you can, but it's gonna take a little bit of doing. So that's that, right? That's that. <laughs> All right, one more tip that I wanted to talk about. Uh, we're gonna talk about a mountain pass a little bit later on the show. We're gonna talk about our trip up the million dollar highway. And uh, we've been taking a few mountain passes lately because we're in the great state of Colorado, which freak Abby out. Oh, <laughs> I, yes. I often think I just need some sort of sedative before we get these drives started. <laughs> Ugh, I don't like them. But one tip that I wanted to give you when driving mountain passes is to watch your transmission temperature. And if you don't know how to do this, it's really simple. On most trucks and most RVs, if they have like a digital display that allows you to like cycle between the uh, gas mileage and the speed and that sort of stuff, you can go into the settings and you can change that display to show your transmission temperature. Sometimes I think in our truck, we can actually change it to show a list of things like it'll show the transmission temperature, the engine temperature, the speed, etc. All things that stress Abby yeah. out when they start climbing. <laughs> so the transmission is the one thing that I think you really need to be the most concerned about. You've got your engine temperature gauge on your dash regardless, but your transmission temperature is something that most people aren't watching if they don't have a separate gauge. And that's something that you really want to look at when you're forcing your transmission to run at high RPM, so in a low gear, up a steep incline for a long period of time, it's going to warm up for sure. And you're gonna wanna pull over and let it cool off if it gets too hot. And uh, we just recently did Wolf Creek Pass and I watched our temperature gauge and it was fine. Um, most of the time it started to get a little bit of warm. So at the top, at the summit, we sort of waited a while. And when you wait a while, what you don't wanna do, the mistake I made and I forgot this, you don't wanna shut the shut the engine off. You wanna leave it on because that fan's running. 
You didn't you tell should. me this. Well, I, I remember yeah, I remember yeah. that after I shut it uh-huh. off. I was like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, but what you want to, it's, it's fine. It's not hurting anything. But it, to cool it off faster, leave your engine running. Uh, it's good for your engine anyway. You want your engine to cool down a, a little bit on its own without just shutting it off instantly after. <laughs> like we did. <laughs> after going up an incline like that. Great. <laughs> Let it run for a bit. And then your temperature of, bo- of both your engine and your transmission will, will cool down a little bit. And thankfully, because we were at the top, we started going down and that took a lot of pressure off of the truck and it the temperature dropped pretty quickly. But yes, as we were getting closer and closer, uh, the one thing if you have a somewhat nervous passenger, which Jason had, is when you do flip over to that temp gauge and your passenger can see it, you need to be kind to them <laughs> if they keep asking, is this a good temp? Is that a good temp? It just went up. Is that okay? Well, how do you know it's a good temperature? Is that, I guess, a good question. Yes, Jason. How do you know it's a good temperature? I was trusting you to know. Well, you know, I mean, the the gauge shows you. The gauge on ours says normal, and ours was a little bit above normal and and well away from high. But, you know, the normal operating range is like 100 degrees above ambient temperature outside. It can get hotter than that. That's okay. Uh, but that's sort of the normal operating range that you want to be looking at. But if it starts to getting be getting into like the 225s, you're starting to do some damage. My palms are sweating <laughs> just talking about this. Uh, we did just put a video out on YouTube. That is the uh, time lapse of the entire Wolf Creek Pass drive. Jason talks a little bit about this stuff, about the transmission, about the drive itself before the time lapse video. We did this because... When we were searching for information about Wolf Creek Pass, because we really do like to know what to expect on roads like that, it was really tough to find anything. We really couldn't find anything that wasn't winter-based. Yeah, there's a lot of great wow. videos of Wolf Creek Pass in the winter, which is something I would never want to do. Oh, my do. goodness. But no. I wanted to see if it's something I'd be comfortable with in the summer in those winter videos. Uh, made me a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad I didn't watch them. So we did just put one out on YouTube. You can go over to the RV Miles YouTube channel. You can see what we're talking about. The time lapse makes it look real easy, especially in that section it where... It was fine. It was easy. It, it was, was easy. fine. But what I love about the time lapse is right as we're about to hit the summit, you slow it down to just normal speed and you can tell that the truck is not going near as fast <laughs> as like... you think in the time lapse and here we are we're like like came into the summit and then we just park so it is you know we were fine and the truck did great and we were within our boundaries of everything but you're not gonna fly up wolf creek pass it's not happening we also had, we had another question about mountain passes in the facebook group so join the facebook group and people offer really great answers to questions that you might have in that group but uh, uh another tip about mountain passes is that you want to check your brakes when you're at the top of one before you go down make sure that they're still working make sure your trailer brakes are all still connected and everything did you just say make sure they're still working well yeah i mean you want because you're <laughs> oh you're, you, but if your trailer brakes have disconnected, which can, oh. can happen, you want to make sure that they're connected. So oh. that, that's a that's a really important thing. And then when you're going down, stab the brakes. Don't gently press on them slowly and let them sort of be, you know, heating up, gaining Constantly. a lot of friction. You want to stab the brakes to slow yourself down and whenever again, possible and gear down. 
tell your passenger that you're going to do that. Jason did say to me, now look, I'm going to be slamming on the yes. brakes a lot here. Yes, he did say, look, we're getting ready to go down. I'm going to be pressing on the brakes hard. Like I'm not going to do a slow break all the way down. And so, you know, because that can be a little, a little stressful. You can think, oh my gosh, they're breaking. Something's wrong. Uh, and so letting the passenger know again, the actions you're going to take on these drives that are different than normal driving actions actually makes for a much pleasant ride for everybody involved so that your wife is not going, oh my God, what's wrong? Like constantly. Okay. Just saying. Not that I do that, but I'm just saying. So we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about another mountain pass, which may be the most beautiful mountain pass that we've ever driven. Yeah. This one's uh, Abby approved. <laughs> and, uh, and a whole lot more. We'll be right back. RV Miles is supported by Amazon Camper Force. Get on the road with Amazon Camper Force. Amazon has work camper jobs that offer competitive wages and paid campground fees up to $550 per month. Earn completion bonuses and be a part of a community that'll keep you coming back year after year. Go to amazon.com slash camper force miles to learn more and choose your site today. That's amazon.com slash camper force miles. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. We'll link to Amazon Camper Force in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 154. I've talked to a lot of people that have done Amazon Camper Force for work camping and have had a fantastic time doing it, especially over the holidays and, you know, make a, a decent amount of money yeah. for a very short amount of time over the holiday season while Amazon's ramping up for you know, getting all those packages out around Christmas. And I bet right now, every day feels like the holiday season at Amazon. <laughs> at least around our house, it does. I think that's why they're advertising on <laughs> yeah. our show. They need you. They need some They need some workers. So if you're looking for work, it is, it is a great opportunity. Amazon needs you. <laughs> all right. It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. What word does not belong in the group below and why? Earth, CDs, clock venus dvds or watch i'm just gonna just jump out here i'm just gonna grab something and i'm going to say earth you're right what you are right are you serious the rest of the words all involve something that spins clockwise and the earth spins counterclockwise get out of town good job Wow, I'm going to just dust my shoulders off real quick. <laughs> we'll have a new brain teaser later on the show. But now it is time to talk the Million Dollar Highway. Yes. Uh, this drive, the Million Dollar Highway, is US 550 in Colorado. Uh, and the section that we drove is sort of the most popular section that goes from Durango, Colorado to Uray, Colorado. And I am saying Uray right. <laughs> O-U-R-A-Y. I called the Chamber of Commerce what? to make sure I'm saying it right. It is Uray. You really called I them? I did. Wow, that is next level. <laughs> I should have called them on the show. <laughs> Uray, Colorado. That is next level. It's not Uray. It's not Auray. Uray. Uray. I go the extra mile for you. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> uh, so this this drive uh, is just stunning, right? It's it's a beautiful, beautiful trip. Not one I'd take in an RV. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is only to be done in your 
motor vehicle. Right. And not your motor vehicle <laughs> home, just like your truck, your car. There were, of course, RVs on that road. Yeah, and then there are smaller more, RVs that you might do it in, like yeah. a, a Class B. Yeah, or like a little a little pod, you know, yeah. just a little something. Your little yeah. Airstream. Uh, to the fifth wheels on that road, I, you look, you are on a level that I can never hope to achieve. That That's amazing <laughs> to me that you would take a giant fifth wheel, especially between Silverton and Ure. Yeah. Well, that's where it gets crazy. Let's get to that when we get yeah. to, to that that section of the road. But let's start by talking about Durango, Colorado, and and what's so special about Durango. You may have heard a lot of people really like Durango and really want to go to Durango. It's a cool, hip, fun town of a decent size. Absolutely, and it's one that I would consider living in. Like mm-hmm. I could see myself living in Durango. It's got a really great vibe to it. That's both a little touristy. But they definitely have sections of it that you can tell are community-based, are the people that live there. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, we were in that area for so long that we were able to go back a few times and really spend a little bit of time in Durango. It got a little bit harder the further we got into the summer season, especially as Durango really started to open up and welcome tourists back to the area. It started getting very, very busy. It's a very popular destination. And one of those being because there's such great whitewater rafting, kayaking, canoeing. Well, there's a river that runs right right through downtown. And you can go, if you're not into getting in the water and rafting and all that stuff. You can just go along the river and watch people rafting right on by right there. And you see people in inner tubes, like bringing them down to one end and then floating down and driving back. It's got like a a bit of a Buffalo River vibe to it in that sense with the tubing. We didn't do anything like that. We enjoyed watching a lot of people do that. And then we found a quiet little spot where we could dip our toes into the river, which was cold. Wow, that was really cold. But we also really enjoyed just like their downtown yeah, we, area. Yeah, we just happened to be there on the day that businesses opened back up. Or the weekend. Up. It was that weekend. Yeah, yeah, that, we, that yeah. weekend that the businesses opened back up and were allowed to take customers in. So it was really interesting to see what the town is doing and what how people are reacting to it and stuff like that. I will say Durango was doing a, a pretty great job, even though... There were lots of people. Yeah, masks are required. I mean, that's required now in the state of Colorado in general. But at that time, masks were required in Durango when you were in the city. Everyone was really great about following that in the beginning. The more we came into Durango, the little bit looser it was. And then that became a little bit harder to enjoy spaces. But they're doing cool things like uh, like closing down streets and putting tents outside for outdoor dining and, and stuff like that. And, Which is uh, yeah. great even in non-coronavirus times because Durango is so beautiful and it's surrounded by such gorgeous scenery that why wouldn't you want to dine outside? Like it's yeah. just, and the weather's perfect. So it's just this beautiful like pairing to be able to go into their wonderful little downtown area and be able to eat outside. And there is no shortage of breweries in Colorado and especially in Durango. Yeah, let's call out one in particular. Yes. Ska Brewery we ate at a couple times and uh, had some really great Colorado beers there. Yes. And, and Ska is a, is a big Colorado brand. And this brewery, they do 
all their brewing right there and you can see like the giant tanks and everything. And they were doing a really fantastic job with social distancing and staying open so that people could come and enjoy their beer and enjoy their food. They were only doing outdoor dining. They had really cool picnic tables set up everywhere. They actually set up the picnic tables so that they're separated by like a fence in, be- yes. in between each one. And it, it was could, great. It could be that it's like that all the time for them. That looks like a more permanent setup, but it really did lend itself well to social distancing. And because we were with our friends, it makes us a large party of 10 and they can't accommodate parties of 10. It can only be eight or less. So they were able to put us at two picnic tables next sort of next to each other so we had the kids at one and the adults at another and we were fine waiting a little extra for that you're not allowed to mill around and wait they do ask that you go back to your car and they'll text you or call you when your table is ready they're pet friendly durango is pet friendly all of colorado seems to be very pet friendly a lot of Colorado restaurants have like food for dogs on their menu and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really very neat. cute. Yeah. I mean, it was a really, really great experience. And because it was our first real experience eating out with the kids, I couldn't have thanked Scott Brewery more for making it actually enjoyable. Yeah. We had a great time. If you're in Durango, please go and have dinner there. You will not regret it. And have their blonde is so good. Like, that's the beer you need to get. It was so good, and I just finished my last six-pack in the fringe, and I'm sad. So our journey up the Million Dollar Highway began in Durango and headed north up U.S. 550. And the first sort of half of the drive between Durango and Silverton, it's beautiful, not terrible um, oh, in no, terms of like curves and, and ups. I mean, it's, there's a lot of that, but it's, it, it is something I would take an RV on that section. And mm-hmm. I think we saw more RVs on that section that were maybe ending in Silverton and going to camp in Silverton. And, uh, and that would be a great place to camp. And I would be totally comfortable doing that in our rig. Now that said, if you do have people with you that are prone to motion sickness, like we do, please take all the precautions that you can before you get on the road. There were several things that we did for ourselves and our kids to make sure that nobody got really sick. Because even though we're saying that this is a fairly easy drive, it is still very up and down. You're climbing an elevation and you are moving around a lot. So if you're especially in the back seat, that might start to get a little uncomfortable. Now, we did see one rig on this drive <laughs> that I would not have taken. Yes. <laughs> and that was a fifth wheel that was pulling a trailer with an ATV on it. And the truck was undersized for the, for the fifth wheel. For the it fifth was, wheel. It was, a, it was a big fifth wheel with a, a half ton truck. And it was it overheated. And we kept we kept coming across it yes. at every stop on the route, like because we would get out and stop for a while and go look at the scenic overlooks and stuff. And they were overheating at every single stop. Yeah, and I would I, not want to take a rig like that up this pass. Well, we kept talking about it too. We don't know what their final destination no. was. We weren't, you know. So we, we hope were, it was Silverton. We really did hope it was Silverton <laughs> because, you know, to me, I would have unhooked that ATV continued on to my destination and then come back for the ATV. I mean, they were really, we were concerned for them because they were really putting a lot of pressure on that truck. And I was always so worried we were going to see them parked on the side of the road and on fire. 
Yeah. You know, they were they were really struggling and, you know, in a small patch of road, we saw them pulled off several, several times. Yeah. And in that situation, there's not a whole lot that you can do other than wait for your engine to cool down. We've been there. Yeah, we have definitely that. been there in, in the bus. So. That was bussy vibes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, again, the, the, the drive is, is beautiful uh, up to Silverton and, and not too terrible. We didn't do anything in Silverton. No, well, um, we did stop uh, right behind the visitor center. The visitor center has a nice big parking lot and behind it is a big open space. And we did stop there and have lunch. We had packed a lunch knowing we were going to do dinner out so we did pack a lunch and that provided a really great place to stop and get something to eat. And then because we took the wrong turn out of the visitor center, thinking that we were headed towards URA, we got to go through their downtown, which is so old timey. Yeah, it's, it's it was a nice my jam. Time. Yeah, I would if if it wasn't full of people and we had more well, time, we would we would have uh, certainly checked it out. We would have camped up there. Oh, for sure. for sure. And there was at least one, maybe two breweries, just and restaurants that were brewery restaurants, yeah. just on that little old timey old western downtown. It was very very cool. It's a place I definitely have back in my mind that we need to go to yeah. in the future. But the real thrust of the million dollar highway is the section between Silverton and Uray. And that's really what gets the name million dollar highway. It's because of the million dollar views. And the first thing you come across when you are heading up out of Silverton is you start to go up a climb and you're going over Red Mountain Pass. And this was, it's not a, it's not a terrible pass no. by any means. It's not, not that steep or anything. It, it, this, but this section is where it does start to get very curvy. So you're starting to deal with lots of hairpin turns and, and, uh, and switchbacks and stuff like but that. But they're very slow. Yeah. This is the thing. You don't have a choice. You cannot go fast. They have designed this in a way that it does not allow yeah. you to try and take these like it's the Fast and the Furious part 57. Okay. <laughs> you can't do it. So it does help a little bit. It does ease those who have motion sickness. I'm happy to say we had nobody get sick I, on this I'm drive. I'm shocked to say we had nobody sick. And I think part of that out. is we stopped a lot yeah. and that definitely helps, but also because of the way the road is designed, you can't take those turns really fast. Yeah. Now, Red Mountain Pass is a great stop, so don't skip it. We we stopped at the summit of Red Mountain mm -hmm. Pass, and it's a cool little abandoned mining town. Probably my favorite part of the whole drive. Yeah, and it's uh, it's Red Mountain all around you. It's like this. It's strange because normally, like Red Rock is much lower, but this is like really high up Red Rock, and uh, and there was even though it was July, there was a decent amount of snow up there, and uh, well, the elevation. I wish I could remember exactly how high we were, but we were close enough the, to tree line. That's how high up this is. And what's so interesting about this particular area too, is that there are six towns that just sprung up, just like boom towns that just sprung up in an eight mile radius of this area, this stretch of the road, because they were, they were mining so much. And then they had this railroad that ran through the area and there's still parts of the track. There's still parts of the home. You can still see the mine shafts that are boarded up. It's amazing. This, I think, all happened towards the late 19th century, I think somewhere around 1889. And it's just so cool to see the way out of nowhere, just like you blink and there were six towns 
in an eight mile radius. And then just as quickly, they all started to disappear and become ghost towns. And nobody lives there anymore. It's all nope. national forest land now. And it's, it's pretty cool to come across. I could have explored for hours there because you can walk around to some of the different buildings. You can really kind of get out and experience, you know, what it was like to live there. Uh, but, you know, we were on a time frame and my family wasn't having it. <laughs> they don't like my old timey stuff. Now, leaving the summit of Red Mountain Pass and going down into Uray is the uh, most nerve wracking and uh, curvy part of this route. And with the most drop offs and rock cliff faces right next, like on the white line on the on the side of you. Um but going into your way, yeah, yeah. which I, I'm just going to say it now because I know someone's going to say it. I keep saying it wrong. And no, you said it right. No, earlier I was saying you're right. Oh. Like I'm, I'm emphasizing, yeah, you're right. I'm emphasizing it wrong. And I recognize that. Uh, but going into the town, the drive is actually less nerve wracking because you are up against the rock face yeah, as the passenger. Right. When you turn around to come back and make your way back to Durango. You're closer to the edge. The passenger yeah. is looking down at like the edge and there's not a whole lot between where you're driving and that little two inch shoulder and then the, the drop off. But folks, this is some of the most beautiful scenery right here. Oh, you won't regret I've it. Ever it's worth seen it. in my life. These giant rocks that you're driving through and every bend, they're just sort of, they're passing each other, doing that sort of parallax Ugh. effect. And uh, it, it's just incredible. It's one of those things where you just keep thinking it can't get better or this can't possibly be real. And then it just does one more thing and you're left speechless. I mean, the waterfalls, the flowing water, the towering rocks, just it's this perfect coming together. I, I can understand why you call it the million dollar highway. Now, this is a section of road that not in a million years would I want to have a long trailer on. No. We did see a, a handful, not very many. At this point, there were not many RVs on this section of the route. And we but, did not run into our overheating <laughs> no. friends, which the, was nice. The combination of the tight curves and no shoulders and rock faces that you can either fall off of oh, or I can't. hit. I can't think I, about I mean, it. I, I, I just kept thinking, like, the worst thing that would probably, what's probably would happen the most would be your tail swing hitting the the rock yes. cliffs yeah and, and that's just something that i wouldn't be interested in in uh fretting over that whole way down so it's yeah. not a drive i want to take some people have done it uh, but I, and I, some I people feel it. differently than we do <laughs> some people think we're crazy and yeah. they would absolutely do it again and and that's fine uh just knowing our trailer and how our trailer drives behind the truck there's just no way I, I would risk that kind of injury to the trailer uh, next to those cliff faces. Right. Woo, no. Now, at the at almost the end of this drive, be, right before you get into your ray, and you, you'll you probably miss it if you're going the direction that we were going. We actually did miss it. We saw there is a an, a scenic overlook. It looks like a really nice scenic overlook and and stuff. And and we thought, oh, we'll hit that on our way back and. Um, and, and it was on the other side of the road, so it was probably smart to hit on yeah. the southbound direction anyway. I think it's really designed for you right. to come off from the southbound because it's sort of at a curve. And if you were going in north, you'd have to take this hard left. I, and I don't think that people would appreciate yeah. that. But I want to talk about this overlook here because we're sort of going in order of the sites that you see on the route. And when we got out of this overlook, we were 
really thrilled to see a massive waterfall yeah. that came underneath the road. And this is called Bear Creek Falls. It is a gorgeous waterfall that you would 100% miss just driving and not getting out to go look at it. And this was also the, the a fantastic photo op spot for you to get a picture of you or your family with the Million Dollar Highway and these gorgeous canyon views in the background. Yeah, and if you go over to our Wandering Families Instagram page or Facebook page, we do have in the photos uh, our family picture there, which really turned out pretty awesome. I mean, yeah. you, how can you take a bad picture, though, when that is your background? I, yeah. I mean, the kids could be screaming. You could be picking your <laughs> nose, and I could be drinking a beer, and it would still look like the best family picture that's ever been taken. <laughs> I think people want to see that family picture. <laughs> so that the, then the drive... <laughs> We'll reenact it sometime. So the drive ends shortly after Bear Creek Falls there in the town of Uray, Colorado. It's a beautiful little Colorado mountain town that we spent maybe an hour walking around in because we were going to have to make the drive all the way back. Um, but if you are somebody that a great opportunity this would be would be to even leave your RV somewhere and drive this and just spend one night in a hotel oh, there and come yeah. back. They've got some really cool bed and breakfasts there. It's like a lot of other Colorado mountain towns, but has fantastic views. And we stopped and we had uh, we had some sweets at a sweet shop there. And uh, you got a take-home beer from the, Ur the Ure Brewery. I did. And here's, here's a tip from me to you. So uh, I went up and I was like, I would like a six pack, a six pack to go. And I think I got like their, their wheat. And um, he was like, okay, a six pack and whatever. And so, you know, he's getting ready to ring me up and he's like, so uh, the cans are 32 ounces each. They're 1150 a piece. And me and my friend were like, whoa, 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 slow your roll there. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just take one of those instead of a six pack of six 32 ounce cans that would have cost me close to $70. I didn't really think I could justify that. So... This was a lesson I learned. Ask what their to-go can sizes are first, <laughs> and then go ahead and order how many you want, because you're going to think it's a standard six-pack, right? Not there. They don't deal with those 12-ounce cans. You only get it in the 32. But it was cool, because they canned them right there that day, yes. fresh, and they like write on the label that it was canned that day and stuff. Yeah, we'll and put a picture of it in the show notes. Jason took a picture of me with my can of beer, because I was so happy. So uh, it's a And it was a great beer. I, I wish I had access to it more. I wish we had been able to eat there. Uh, it, but it was just a really, really busy day in town, and we needed to make that drive all the way back to Manco. So... Uh, we came, we saw, we went to the cookie shop, got the kids some ice cream, got the grown-ups some beer, and then we busted out of there. The, the to Our total travel time uh, from Durango to Uray with a whole bunch of stops and then heading back, what, what would you say? Seven that hours. Was, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a big day. But it it's really like a two-hour drive. Yeah, it maybe, really is. Maybe even less. And then we topped it up. What's nice if you go back to Durango is then we topped it off by going and having dinner at Ska. And then we made the drive from Durango back to Mancos, which is about 35 minutes. Yeah. I didn't make the drive. <laughs> yeah, I made the drive. <laughs> you made the drive. I had beers. You made the drive. 
it, the whole trip was a fantastic experience and we almost didn't do it. We, we missed it a couple times because yes. of some sickness issues. And I'm glad sort of one of the last things that we did while we were in the area, I'm really glad we checked it out because I think it's still the best Colorado scenery that I've seen so far. Yeah, it was really, really wonderful. So that's our trip up the Million Dollar Highway. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have the new Brain Teaser and our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. Be right back. Be right back. The RV Miles podcast is supported by Hughes Autoformers, makers of the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV. And the Power Watchdog beats the competition with field-replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or a spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small, affordable part you can replace yourself. It's the last surge protector you need to buy. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoformers.com. That's code RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoformers.com or click the Hughes logo in the show notes for this episode. And RV Miles is also supported by our friends at the Highway Weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, get severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention all that's included for free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. All right, it's time to check the level of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank is very full this week. <laughs> okay. Okay, like we're at, the, we're at the F on the black tank level. And that is because, it is not because of the action being done. It's because of the location of the action. Because I'm not here to tell you what to do with your life, okay? I just want to get that out there right now. But I do really, really want to encourage you that if you are a cigar smoker and you are camping in tight quarters, like we are camping here at this campground that we're at currently, that it's really, really, really not a good idea to smoke your cigar in your campsite when you are three feet from someone else's. Campsite. Or smoke two cigars before 10 a.m. That too. <laughs> you know. I, I mean, know. I could like reach out and touch this guy out our window right now. Yeah, you, you really could. So here's the thing. Jason actually really likes the smell of a cigar. It's the same as how he really likes the smell of a, uh, of a campfire. I don't like those smells. They just, for whatever reason, ever since I had kids, they're just smells that like completely just send me into headache mode. And so this morning and yesterday, because these campers have been here for a couple days now, uh, I've been living in a like, permanent headache. And I know it's something we don't think about, right? Like we don't think about our actions from a smelly standpoint, maybe bothering others. It's like if I went out and I was wearing a ton of perfume, right? Like, and I went into a small space and I was like, hi, everyone, get in this elevator with me. I'm now asking you to wear my perfume. Yeah. And I think when you're outside smoking, you think it's not affecting others. But the combination of a cigar being this close to people. I mean, there are plenty of places to oh, walk yeah. around here to go sit on a bench and do it. Please go do that. Like, yeah. please go do that. Like, if that's, you know, your vice and that's what you're going to do, it's your body, your choice. 
go and do that. But just remember, it's also my body, my choice. And I'm sharing this space with you. And so when you light that up, be it whatever you're lighting up, because I know we're in Colorado, okay? So don't think it's just cigars. (laughs) Whatever you're lighting up, just remember that if you're in a very tiny little space, you're asking someone else to light up with you. You know, I think people like me too that, that aren't really affected by that that much we forget that uh they're the people that are hypersensitive even more than you like to the right. to the uh, the asthmatic or or any sort of like irritants that may get into their lungs really cause them problems so right. it's something to really be careful about and hey maybe you're saying well maybe you need to remove yourself abby and hey maybe i do and i did what i the best i could which was i closed up our entire space and I closed our windows and I did the best, my best to shut out the smell until the gentleman was finished. But my only other alternative was to actually leave my campsite that I'm paying for. I'm sorry. Who smokes two cigars before 10 a.m.? Hey, you don't know. He could have been <laughs> up since four or five. You don't know what time he got up. I mean, like, honestly, I get up at 630 and by like... Well, I wasn't up till nine, so he may have had another one before that. <laughs> right. Look, just because you don't wake up till mid-morning doesn't mean the rest of us aren't like two-thirds of the way through our day. You never know. All right. Like, What's anyway. in your fresh tank? Uh, my fresh tank, if you are watching this podcast, has been joining us the entire time. If you're listening, you are about to learn of the newest member to the Epperson family. And that is the almost life-size baby Yoda that Ethan got for his birthday last week. Ethan turned 10 last week, which is crazy to think that we have now another child in double digits. And what he wanted was the Baby Yoda plush, and that's what he got. And this thing looks, I mean, it looks just like the one on The Mandalorian. It's pretty I, great. Oh, my gosh. It's pretty great. We we keep doing these things where we, like, randomly set it on the floor, like it's trying to scoot its way towards a person, or every once in a while, the kids will pretend like it's using the force, and they've got its hands positioned in the position. One hand is positioned like when Baby Yoda uses the force, I mean, it's it's the best. We get him little cups of broth. I mean, this thing, <laughs> <laughs> this this cute, cute little baby Yoda is the fourth child, sixth member of our family. And it is worth every penny. If you are a fan of the child, of baby Yoda, of the Mandalorian, we picked this up at Walmart. I'm sure it's other at other retailers across the country. It's worth the $27. All right, then. All right. Jason, what is your black tank this week? Uh, my black tank this week is hitting your head on cabinets in a trailer <laughs> or in an RV. Into the tight space Aww. in general. Being a tall, bigger guy like I am <laughs> and being a little clumsy like I am, I'm often banging my head, my foot, whatever on things. I think that Henry would 100% <laughs> agree with you because for whatever reason, he hits his head he a lot does. in our bathroom. <laughs> well, Mel posted in the RV Miles Facebook group that he reached into the cabinet below his sink and grabbed a garbage bag without even looking and felt so proud of himself for knowing his RV so well. But then he hit his head on the cabinet above the sofa. <laughs> and I have hit my head on the 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 over on the slide, the overhang yes. of the slide so many times because it 
I just, you know, don't see it with my eyes and expect ceiling height when it's actually a foot below ceiling height. And... The slide <laughs> ceiling and the arms on the awning just seek you out. Like your head, I think they must have magnets in them. They draw your titanium plate to them or there's something. <laughs> I don't know because you, it does not matter how many times you hit your head, you will go back and you will do it again. I will. You will. What is your fresh tank? Uh, my fresh tank this week is thunderstorms. We had an epic thunderstorm wow. with some cool hail yesterday, like hail that does you don't need to worry about damaging your vehicle, but but little tiny pellets, but a lot of them, and uh, uh, big lightning, loud bangs of thunder, and I love that stuff <laughs> for a short period of time. Yes, and that wonderful, wonderful rain smell. Uh, I thought it was really cool yesterday, after, especially afternoon thunderstorms. I always like a good afternoon thunderstorm. It made me sleepy. It did. It makes oh, me want to take a nap. I was so sleepy yesterday. Yes, I completely agree. And it came in so fast. I was, I knew that it was, I could hear it off in the distance. I went out to kind of pick up stuff outside and I did, I hardly had any time before it was upon us. And then just as quickly as it was upon us, shoom, it so. just was right on out. All right, that's our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. And now it is time to wrap this show up with a new brain teaser. What letter is three to the right of the letter that is immediately to the left of the letter that is two to the right of the letter that is three to the left of the letter F? You want uh, that one more time? No, I don't need it. I'm going to go H. All right. I have no idea. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have the answer to that on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We absolutely will. And hey, if you are enjoying the show, would you do us a favor and head over to Apple Podcast and just leave a five-star review for us? That is putting us in front of so many more people right now. It is amazing how many people are finding RV Miles these days. And that is because of you going over to Apple Podcast. So thank you very much. We also want to remind you, if you are shopping on Amazon, because who isn't shopping on Amazon right now? We have a link that allows us to get just the smallest kickback from Amazon when you shop with RV Miles. It costs you nothing and it helps us continue to improve the quality of our videos, of our podcasts, and the amount of time that we spend on social media generating content. It's all because of these little things that we piece together and we so appreciate the help. We will put a link to the Amazon in our show notes. You can also find it pinned at the top of the RV Miles Facebook page. Thank you so much. And hey, if you want to talk to Jason and me, you can find us over at the RV Miles Facebook group. You can email us at editor at rvmiles.com or just slide into our DMs anywhere across social media. We will always do our best to get back to you. I think that's it. That's it. I think that's it. So we are going to go make the drive to Pike's Peak this afternoon because why not stress Abby out just a little bit more? <laughs> we will see you all next week. And until then, please keep safely logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.